I want to think about the, the two stories we read about in John's Gospel, the feeding of the 5,000, very familiar, and Jesus calming the storm. George, and I'm never sure how to pronounce his surname, George Monbiot, or Monbiot, I'm not sure, columnist in The Guardian, wrote a book in 2017, Out of the Wreckage, A New Politics for an Age of Crisis. He argues that it's not strong leaders who actually, or it's not just strong leaders who determine the way a country goes or the way people goes or who shape world and politics. But we need stories. It is stories or narratives that really change the shape of things. He says when we encounter a complex issue and try to understand it, we look not just for consistent, reliable facts about it and just use our brains, but we look to see if what is being said makes sense. And the sense that we are looking for isn't just rational facts, it's does it fit into the narrative, the narrative that we understand ourselves and the world to live by. Um, He says that the big stories that our society has lived by for the last lot of years, the stories of social democracy, the story of neoliberalism, these big stories that have dominated the political sphere and economic sphere no longer seem to be making sense. And hence, we're in this turmoil. And what we need, he says, what we as society are looking for is a new story to live by. And I think that makes sense. When I see people's reactions to all the debates that are going on at the moment with Brexit or whatever, people are trying to find stories that make sense of it. And the facts have only a little bit to do with it, to be honest. So stories, the story that we have in our head about the world and our place in it and how it works, that story is crucially important. We read two stories this morning. Hmm. Stories to live by. Stories that are part of a bigger story, obviously, as well. So Jesus and his disciples are faced with a crowd of 5,000 hungry people. And Jesus says to Philip, what are we going to do? How can we feed these people? I wonder how Philip felt when Jesus asked him that question. Um, He's presented Philip with a problem that is beyond his capacity to deal with. He presents Philip with a problem that is there and needs to be dealt with. I wonder, does he feel like Jesus is putting an unfair responsibility onto him? How does he react? How does he feel? How would you react? How... 
How do you react when the problem that is beyond your capacity and resources to deal with is put right in front of you? We can feel resentful. It's not my problem, Jesus. They're here because of you. Don't put this onto me. Can be overwhelmed, so we can. We see the need. We see the people and we feel compassion. And yet we haven't got the resources to deal with it. We can be overwhelmed. A response to that can be, therefore, to harden, harden myself, to keep it out there because I can't deal with it. I will not let it get too close. Personally, I remember living in Nepal, one of the poorest countries in the world, and having all of these reactions in the face of overwhelming need. Resentful, it shouldn't be my problem. Overwhelmed, and at times, yes, protecting myself, hardening my heart. But the fact of life is that we will, each of us, face times when we have problems that are beyond our capacity, resources to deal with. And the story that we live by is going to be important. Because there is a story out there, a myth, if you want to call it a myth, there's a story in society that, that helps explain things and, and it gives meaning and tells you how to react. There's a myth out there, isn't there, of the rugged individual hero. Just look at so many films. The hero who will take on the overwhelming odds and because of their character, because of their strength, because of their cleverness, whatever, they find the way to make it work. A dangerous myth. Because it isn't true, is it? We know it's not true. We know that there will be things that no one can deal with that is bigger than any one person or any group of people. It is a myth it is a myth in which we want to be independent creatures and not to acknowledge our, that we are dependent creatures. We are dependent upon God. So much of what we have is not down to our cleverness, to our ability, to our hard work. So much of what we have is because God has put me in a certain place at a certain time. Jesus tests Philip by confronting him with a problem that he does not have the resources to deal with. And as I read 
many of the stories in here, it seems that God puts his people into that position many, many times. Situations beyond our control. Situations where we end up with a proper disillusionment. A proper loss of the illusion that I am in control. I am not God. But I can trust him. I am sure that you can look back at times where you have learnt this lesson. Or maybe you're in a time where you are learning this lesson. A time when the narrative of being the hero, the big hero in my life, is being replaced by a narrative of being and living as a child of God. And then there's the, the little boy who has more than enough food for himself. He's all right. How does he feel when suddenly someone points to him and says, he's got enough, he's got a big lunch, and it's offered pretty much, it seems, without his permission. I think of other stories that are in our lives and in our society. Think of, okay, I'm terrified to mention this because I know there's people who know much more about this than me here. Think of economics, okay? So come and talk to me afterwards if I get this wrong, those of you who know about this, okay? But, for example, Walter Brueggemann argues that economics is built around the myth of scarcity. Economics is built around the concept that there are scarce resources in this world. There is only ever so much of a certain commodity. The more people want this, therefore, the higher the price will go. It leads on, therefore, to stockpiling, hoarding. What if I run out? There isn't enough for everybody. I have to keep hold of what I need. Preferably, I need to keep hold of a bit more in order to be secure. And it becomes a zero-sum game. Either I have it or you have it. And I will protect what I have Walter Brueggemann, who is an Old Testament scholar, points out that the Old Testament and the New Testament work with a different story. The Old Testament works with a story of God who creates a world that bears fruit and produces. A God who gives his people a land, and each person within that gets their own piece of land that will produce enough. 
He gives laws that ensure that what is there is distributed throughout society and that everybody has access and everybody has enough. A God who rescues people from slavery and oppression and tells them to always look after the marginalized and who promises that when his people live like this, there will be abundance. And so in the Bible, instead of a myth of scarcity, we have a lyric of abundance. And so a boy, he's got enough lunch for himself and a bit more doesn't have to hoard it and keep it for fear of being hungry, but can take a risk of letting it go. Could take a risk of letting it go without, how could he imagine what was going to happen? But he was able to take the risk of letting go, of being generous. And in so so doing, found that there was enough for everyone. What would it mean for us to live as if the true narrative of this world was that there is enough? To live as if that was the story of the world, for God created a world and designed it that there is enough and we do not have to hoard. What difference would it make to our attitude towards the migrant crisis? What difference would that make to our approach to Brexit? What difference would that make to my approach to my personal finances? And not just even with money, what difference would that make to my view of time? And how I spend my time. A lyric of abundance. As opposed to a myth of scarcity. So we've got a narrative. Of moving from being the hero of my life. Having to fix everything. To being a child of God. Moving from a myth of scarcity. To living by a lyric of abundance. And then the story of being caught in a storm on a lake. I think another common narrative story line that is in our life, Jesus left his disciples and they were on the lake and they face a difficult time and he is not with them. Does this sound familiar to you in your own life? And funnily enough, in this one, in the midst of this terror, when God is absent, he comes to them. And instead of God, of Jesus coming and it being a comfort, it produces more terror. God's coming in a time of need produces more terror because they couldn't interpret what was going on. 
They interpreted it the way, well, with the, the models that were in their head and the only thing they could think of, uh, something like looked like a human walking in the sea, it must be a ghost. Sometimes when God is working within us, feels like he's absent and then when he does turn up it feels like we don't recognize him or often we don't recognize him and it feels like it is terror but it is God I think back to the time when I was a minister of a Presbyterian church and coming more and more to a feeling that this was not the right thing for me forever. And that's hard when it's been what you've thought was to be the thing forever and you've felt that for a long time. And there is terror in it, terror of what possibly could I do afterwards. I'm not qualified for anything else. There was a long period of feeling that God wasn't there. A long period then of feeling when he was directing me outwards and I admitted that to myself. Terror. Terror to admit it and then terror to think what might come next. But looking back, I can see it was him who was there. And Jesus got into the boat and it became calm. And a common narrative, I suspect, in our lives will be facing those times when the storm is there and it feels rough and it feels like he is not there. And then he comes. And it's not initially a comfort, but it is still a terror. And the narrative, as I read it in Scripture, this one ends with Jesus leading them to calm. But it doesn't always. Because Jesus also told Peter gently but firmly that there would come a time when it wouldn't end with calm, but he would be led to a place where he did not go. And so I think the narrative, the narrative goes something like we face storms. We feel God is absent. God comes, and it may not initially be a comfort. And he may bring us to that time of peace, but sometimes, sometimes he does tell us that we have to go places we do not want to go. But the underlying narrative of the story is that he is with us. And he will be with us. Stories to live by. Stories not of being the superhero of my own life, but living as a child of God in dependence. Stories to live by, stories not living by a myth of scarcity, but living by a lyric of abundance.
the story to live by, the story that yes, there will be storms. It will feel like God is absent. He may come and his coming may be unsettling. But he is and will be with us.